0: In communication, there is a sender and a receiver. A message is encoded, it's sent, decoded, and understood from one to the other. Now, what could go wrong with that? <laughs> How about everything? From cultural context, personal experience, external pressures, the message is rarely, if ever, cleanly sent and perfectly understood. Sometimes we think we are communicating in prose, but more often than not, it's poetry. Filled with metaphor, innuendo, and inflection. It's a wonder we can say anything at all. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast, episode 48 Words are Hard.
1: Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Thanks for joining us in the sandbox for episode 48. That is pretty crazy. You know, uh, we talk about this a lot, but the average podcast only gets to eight episodes. I feel like we're doing pretty good. Winning, winning. <laughs> you know, we've been doing this for, for a couple of years. Um, we've continued to gather interviews, uh, have great conversations. Uh, like we talked about if, over the last few episodes, you know, we we did another road trip this year and just so many great people out there sharing great stories and, and learning new things and ways of, of understanding faith. And, and I'm just glad we get an opportunity to, to share it.
0: Yeah. You know, what I love about it is this idea that we get to knock down walls of, of division with curiosity and conversation. I mean, there are so many things that divide us, so many things that, you know, people are seem to be at each other's throats on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And we get to be a part of uh, extending the conversation and, and maybe talking about what th- people are really thinking about. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's great. Um, also, you know, we just want you to, if you're enjoying this, if you ha- are help finding the Sandbox podcast to be helpful, um, we just want to extend the invitation to, to share that with someone who you think might like it. I think the more that we can engage in these conversations and engage in these conversations together, uh, the more we can learn from each other.
0: Yeah, we always say there's always more room in the Sandbox and we really d- we really need more people to be a part of the conversation because that's where the, that's where the gold is. Yeah. That's where
1: the gold is. So uh, speaking of conversation, uh, today we're talking about language. And if we're having those kind of conversations, it's important that we, we think a little bit about what language is. Uh, in its simplest form, language is just made up of words that we use to express something. It's how we interact with the world. It's how we derive meaning and develop understanding. Using language that communicates clearly is actually a pretty lofty goal because sometimes our words fall short and don't quite do justice what we're trying to explain and sometimes words that maybe used to work just don't anymore
0: because words are hard words are hard they're hard have you ever heard a song with your main squeeze and said yes that that is our song it was written just for us look the truth is unless you wrote or commissioned that song it has absolutely nothing to do with you (laughs) i am the you know, the hopeless romantic, right? <laughs>
1: that, is not, that is not your
0: song. I'm going to kill it right now. But you relate to it as if it does. And it, and it is filled with meaning. And as you put it into constant loop in your life, it becomes a symbol for, for what your relationship means and, and who you are as a couple. Words that describe what you are feeling. But you know what? <laughs> there's going to be more songs. And there's going to be more people who fall in love. Look, you might even break up with that person. Here I am killing it again, right? <laughs> you might even break up with that person and get into another relationship with someone new. And it's at this point, look, I highly recommend finding a new song. Definitely find a new song. Or it will get all kinds of awkward. The, the point is, we are never done searching for the right combination of words and notes, symbols to express that which lives in the heart. Whether it is love, anger, heartbreak, fear... We are always looking for a means to express our experience and share it with the world.
1: And this also means that our communication is actually a work in progress, which means that we have to keep working on it, but clear language and words are really important. And we know this, I think, because when we get it wrong, it's either funny or (laughs) or disastrous. Um, So just as an example of this, Dave, how many languages do you speak?
0: Including or not including Pig Latin?
1: Uh, Not including Pig Latin.
0: Well, see, I had I had a Korean German teacher. Uh, <laughs> Tell me more about when this. <laughs> I was
1: in seventh, eighth, and ninth
0: grade. Hair Sim, um, in, yeah, in Grafton, Wisconsin, and uh, it, and I learned some. German words. And in the mix of it, I learned some Korean words, but mostly I didn't learn anything. And then <laughs> I learned some biblical Greek and some some Hebrew and and, and mostly I, I know how those tools work, but I, I you know, sure. you don't speak it or anything like
1: yeah. that. So I, I I would say I have a similar uh, language learning experience in some ways. I studied a lot of, of Spanish uh, in high school um, and have kind of like a really basic working knowledge of the language, but pretty, pretty minimal. But um, I think thinking about the way that Words can be funny if you don't really translate them. So if I said to, to you the word, it's a Spanish word, and it's uh, embarrasada Embarrassada. Yeah, what would you what would you think I was I was meaning? Like if you had to guess, embarrasada is embarrass, perhaps. Uh, um, so that's what we all thought. Okay. It turns out though that embarrasada means pregnant. Which could be, embarrass- which which could could be embarrassing, which ki- all kinds of embarrassing
0: situations if you put that in the wrong Yeah.
1: Way. Right? Wow. So just one example of if we don't have the words, it's, uh, you know, it can be just hard to understand what somebody's talking about. You could have a whole different meaning of that sentence.
0: <laughs> well, I, I also think that punctuation is very important as well. So there's the classic example of let's eat grandpa or let's eat grandpa.
1: I'd rather not eat grandpa.
0: Uh, Commas can save lives. <laughs> They're is, very, very important. This is true. And putting the amphosis on the right syllable. Exactly. Might, just might that, that clarity
1: of what we mean. And, you know, sometimes words don't make any sense and we just like say dumb stuff or make stuff up because we don't have the words, right? Mm. I mean, I, I'm just, I can't, uh, there's a, there was a tweet that you may be familiar with. Uh, a tweet not, from who? Well, pretty much the only person whose tweets we talk about, but uh, <laughs> I believe he said something about Kofifi.
0: It's, I believe it's pronounced Kofefa.
1: Oh, well, I, I, this is the difference between the spoken word and the written it's word. Two different regional dialects, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes just weird things happen and we don't really exactly uh, translate what's, what's happening or what someone's trying to say. And we could go, you know, on and on about weird words or the ways that you can twist language to make a joke. And the actually the interesting thing, the jokes work because the words matter. Mm. They mean something. And if we pick the wrong word, the communication process that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it might not go so well. But one of the most interesting things to me about language is how sometimes we don't actually have the words to explain an experience. And sometimes when that happens, other languages can help us out. So um, I don't know if you remember this past winter, Huga uh, was the thing? Huga, Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing, nothing on that one. No, I, okay. it, it
0: was a thing for some people, but not for me.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I, I didn't really know much about it. All of a sudden it was like February and somebody said, hey, this was a thing all winter long. And I went, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it was apparently really big. Uh, it kind of influenced fads of like design trends and those sorts of things. But "huga" is this Danish word that means kind of something like warmth and coziness. Uh, so like around here in Minnesota, it became really popular when it got really cold and we had to be stuck inside.
0: So it's like a snuggie... On a bearskin rug wrapped in a hot chocolate. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think that sounds about right. So if you if you look it up online, you know, you'll find pictures of fireplaces, candles, blankets, and um and, and then and then you kinda understand what it's getting at, but in English we actually don't don't really have a word for that experience. That kind of actually reminds me of something you were saying about blue Russians. Like kind of
0: white Russians and black Russians, but 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 a blue <laughs> Russian. What, yeah, what is that about?
1: Yeah. So um, interestingly, in Russian, uh, so like in in English, we've got a word for blue, right? And it mm-hmm. means like light blue, and it means dark blue, and it means all the shades of things that are kind of bluish, right? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that in Russian, they have a word that is light blue, and a word that is dark blue, and it's actually as different as for us in English, it w- red would be from green. Wow. Hmm. Um, so it actually shapes the way that they uh, see these colors in some ways. Um, you know, you kind of think about the classic example of, of like the word blue being invented relatively recently. And so okay. like older uh, older stuff, older writings, you would see something referred to as green or gray, like the ocean. Um, and so it's those kinds of things. They actually change the words that we have in the way that we see something.
0: Yeah, I wonder how that would, uh, in this case, how the understanding of the language, the words would influence art. Mm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We could do a whole episode on that. right? Um, but so words like huga describe a feeling and names of colors help describe what we're actually seeing. But those words, the, they all help shape and share our actual experience with others, which actually reminds me of my German class in college. So I said a little earlier, I studied a lot of Spanish in high school. Um, but when I got to college, I had just kind of a heavy course load and I needed a I needed a, a language class, but I needed it to be kind of an easier class. I didn't really have the, the time and energy for a more challenging class. And I, I really like learning new languages, um, but it really was kind of intended to be like the easy part of my semester, a little blow off.
0: Well, you should have that. come in and had a class with Herr sim. Kind of, <laughs> Maybe.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so when I was in this class uh, and I was learning uh, new words and phrases, our, our professor also taught us a little bit about German culture and she shared stories with us from her travels. So I don't really remember a whole lot of German from that class, but there was one thing she taught us that really stuck with me, and it's this idea that language is culture. In other words, if you can't understand the words that someone is using to describe something, you can't really understand what they are thinking or feeling. Language is one of the main ways that we can convey meaning, and it can be really challenging to see and understand outside of what we have words for.
0: You know what, and sometimes our words just, they don't work anymore. Our words change to reflect the culture that we're a part of. Case in point, groovy. I don't even know when the last time I heard that was. Everybody's feeling groovy right now. <laughs> young, hip, baby boomers at one point in time, when they were young and hip, um, <laughs> <laughs> made it skyrocket in usage through the 60s. It hit its peak, uh, according to, to Google, I guess, uh, in 1975, but it almost dropped off to nothing about 10 years later. Because apparently, uh, Gen Xers, we, we hated it. You hated everything. Whatever. <laughs> but in recent years, it had a renaissance period right around 2010. And of course, I blame the millennial hipsters. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you would.
0: Mm. But today, <laughs> today it isn't used very much at all. Uh, the word cool, always in style. In North America, it's a word that holds across generations, across countless different cultural contexts. If something's cool, it's cool. And I'm sure the usage of this word or symbol will evolve and change just like everything. It'll fall out of usage eventually, but for now it continues to hold.
1: Yeah, words that we use in playful ways, slang and references in pop culture that make their way into our common language, they all change and evolve over time. But so do words that are heavier and maybe more important. Words that affect how we see ourselves, interact with the world and gain meaning. Those words change too, and it's important to pay attention. We can cause pain to ourselves and others if we don't choose these words intentionally. And handle language about our friends and neighbors with care.
0: Yeah, you know what, that, that makes me think about the recent gender identity conversations and the use of pronouns. Over the past several years, it has become increasingly clear to a bigger and more mainstream audience that the gender specific masculine feminine pronouns of he and she aren't descriptive or helpful in every case. As a result, people have been exploring gender-neutral pronouns in the English language, which may be much more better. I know. Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> which may be much more better uh, to, to, to describe reality, right? And, and to your point, Chris, it could be that this calls for us to consider new language that represents our culture and represents how more and more people are coming to see and interact and experience with the world. As our culture shifts and changes, we may need to find new words or repurpose old ones so we can develop a shared understanding of the world.
1: Yeah. And again, it is it is really hard. A lot of these changes come slowly. Uh, I consider myself to be someone who tries to be respectful of the experiences of others, and particularly in terms of things like gender identity. I feel like I don't know the best choice. I'm trying, but I don't always know the right word. Um, But we actually just don't speak a language. We also sort of live inside of its framework. So sometimes it can take those new words to help us even see the new paradigm.
0: Yeah, you know, and I would also argue that there are words we don't use or shouldn't use anymore because what was acceptable at one point in time is no longer acceptable. Words have weight and substance and the ability to destroy. For example, it was about a month ago or so, there was a controversy around Bill Maher as a white guy using the N-word. And we routinely hear people in all different kind of walks of life, whether it's in the media or politicians or, or just people walking down the street, they're using, using words to demean others for their sexuality or their gender identity, nationality, religion, and, and the list goes on.
1: Yeah. And, and a lot of this gets wrapped up and, and labeled as like PC, political correctness, and like, certainly where this idea of PC can become a problem is when we don't say anything. Um, if we don't have important conversations because we're afraid or someone might be offended. And I really feel like this could be an, a- another episode in itself. But for now, if we can find a more compassionate way to say something... Why wouldn't we? And why in some weird situations do we think it's culturally honorable to say whatever's on our mind at the expense of someone else's experiences? I mean, I think somewhere in the middle of being afraid that we're saying something wrong and choosing our words carefully – is where maybe some quality communication can happen.
0: Yeah. We kind of modeled this uh, a bit when we had our live events with Regina Mm -hmm. Mustafa and and Drew Hart, Regina talking about uh, interfaith dialogue with, with Muslims and, and Drew Hart talking about racism. And and before we had our Q and a sessions uh, at both of those events, I think I said something to the effect of, Hey, we're going to try to have a conversation and we're going to, try to be respectful and we're going to choose words Mm -hmm. and we might actually mess up with the words that we choose. And I just think that if we can extend one another a little bit of grace and care for one another and just have, give each other the benefit of the doubt that we mean this respectfully, I think we can get at something good and, and and some increased understanding over time. Our words change. We don't necessarily talk or think the way we did when we were younger. It is a way that we care for our community and ourselves. It reminds me of a, of a Maya Angelou quote when, when, she, when she said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I love that quote. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better.
1: Yeah. And I think over time, we all know a little better. You know, we're learning, uh, we're gaining knowledge, we're growing. It's, it's all an active thing. It's not static. We don't hit some point where we're done. Um, And and with that, our ideas and our consciousness change over time. And so should the words that we use to express these new understandings and perspectives on life, love, and faith.
0: Yeah. You know, for example, there's this old church hymn called Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) even hard to say Onward Christian Soldiers, Um, but, but it has a classic tune. It's a bit of an anthem, really. And the church I grew up in We sang it on pretty regular rotation on Sunday mornings. And look, I haven't sung sung that song in years, probably since my childhood. But recently I heard it again. And here's how the words go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before, Christ the royal master leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. From war imagery to the history of violence in Christian faith... Look, I don't care if I ever sing or hear that song ever again. This is an example of what was once a powerful symbol, a song and its lyrics, which no longer holds the same meaning anymore. For me, I need a better song. I I need more adequate symbols uh, to, to
1: express. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about that hymn, I just, I can't help but think how music is one of those areas that... I get really frustrated by some of the language that we've inherited uh, in religious communities. A lot of our I or a lot of our lyrics refer to ideas about God that are confusing at best and and probably harmful at worst. And so when I'm leading music for our community, I'm always looking for new songs that are telling our story well. And I often find what I'm looking for in places that are outside of our own religious tradition. So much so that I Actually, occasionally we'll have to describe what people are hearing and kind of talk them through how what it is that we're singing, um, which is actually kind of cool because it gives us the opportunity to stretch our imaginations about the way that we grow as a community. But I think all that makes me wonder, how do we decide what language to use to speak about God? What name do we use? Images? Symbols? I mean, in some ways, religion is just a language. It's a set of symbols that point at the actual thing, which is why I think it's really important to change those words or at least Add to the vocabulary when something doesn't seem to be working or doesn't fit the way we understand our faith. I think it's okay to change and grow with it. I guess the point in my mind is that we don't have to be captive to the language we've been handed. It might be helpful and it might not, but it's always missing something. And to me, that's an invitation to keep seeing, keep describing, and keep creating.
0: So how many love poems have been written or sonnets about the beauty of nature? How many songs have been written to express joy and sorrow and the feeling of being truly alive? Aren't we done yet? Of course not. There is so much more to discover, write, sing, craft, make. We have so much more to create as we communicate and share the experience of what life is all about. Words sometimes fall short, but we won't stop trying the same is true about our relation to the divine the mystery we communicate through symbols and art and writing and song we communicate in so many ways but way too often our words and symbols fall short but we keep trying because it's all a work in progress maybe the old words and forms of the faith that you've been handed don't work anymore i dare you to discover new words ideas, images to convey a relationship with the divine mystery. What words would you choose? What words would you share? Because there is so much more to share and express and learn. Look, we don't get to drop the mic and walk off stage with no more words left to be said. Our words, our communication, our expression, and our lives, it's all a work in progress.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all the things going on in the sandbox, sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com.
0: Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the podcast and join us in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you.
1: And as always, be sure to share this podcast with somebody who might like it. There is always more room in the sandbox.
0: Till next time, we'll see you.
1: Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.
0: In communication, there is a sender and a receiver. A message is encoded, it's sent, decoded, and understood from one to the other. Now, what could go wrong with that? (laughs) How about everything? From cultural context, personal experience, external pressures, the message is rarely, if ever, cleanly sent and perfectly understood. Sometimes we think we are communicating in prose, but more often than not, it's poetry filled with metaphor, innuendo, and inflection. It's a wonder we can say anything at all. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast, episode 48. Words are hard.
1: Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris and I'm Dave. Thanks for joining us in the sandbox for episode 48. That is pretty crazy. You know, uh, we talk about this a lot, but the average podcast only gets to eight episodes. I feel like we're doing pretty good. Winning. <laughs> Winning. You know, we've been doing this for, for a couple of years. Um, we've continued to gather interviews, uh, have great conversations. Uh, like we talked about if, over the last few episodes, you know, we we did another road trip this year and just so many great people out there sharing great stories and, and learning new things and ways of, of understanding faith. And, and I'm just glad we get an opportunity to, to share it.
0: Yeah. You know, what I love about it is this idea that we get to knock down walls of, of division with curiosity and conversation. I mean, there are so many things that divide us, so many things that, you know, people are at to be at each other's throats on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And we get to be a part of uh, extending the conversation and and maybe talking about what th- people are really thinking about. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's great. Um, also, you know, we just want you to, if you're enjoying this, if you ha- are help finding the Sandbox podcast to be helpful, um, we just want to extend the invitation to, to share that with someone who you think might like it. I think the more that we can engage in these conversations and engage in these conversations together, uh, the more we can learn from each other.
0: Yeah, we always say there's always more room in the Sandbox and we really d- we really need more people to be a part of the conversation because that's, that's where the gold is. Yeah.
1: That's where the gold is. So uh, speaking of conversation, uh, today we're talking about language. And if we're having those kind of conversations, it's important that we, we think a little bit about what language is. Uh, in its simplest form, language is just made up of words that we use to express something. It's how we interact with the world. It's how we derive meaning and develop understanding. Using language that communicates clearly is actually a pretty lofty goal because sometimes our words fall short and don't quite do justice what we're trying to explain. And sometimes words that maybe used to work just don't anymore.
0: Because words are hard. Words are hard. Yeah, they're hard. Have you ever heard a song with your main squeeze and said, yes, that that is our song. It was written just for us. Look, the truth is, unless you wrote or commissioned that song, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. <laughs> I am the you know, the hopeless romantic, right? <laughs>
1: that, is not, kill it. <laughs> that is not your
0: song. I'm going to kill it right now. But you relate to it as if it does. And it, and it is filled with meaning. And as you put it into constant loop in your life, it becomes a symbol for, for what your relationship means and, and who you are as a couple. Words that describe what you are feeling. But you know what? <laughs> there's going to be more songs. And there's going to be more people who fall in love. Look, you might even break up with that person. Here I am killing it again, right? <laughs> you might even break up with that person and get into another relationship with someone new. And it's at this point, look, I highly recommend finding a new song. Definitely find a new song. Or it will get all kinds of awkward. The, the point is, we are never done searching for the right combination of words and notes, symbols to express that which lives in the heart, whether it is love, anger, heartbreak, fear, We are always looking for a means to express our experience and share it with the
1: world. And this also means that our communication is actually a work in progress, which means that we have to keep working on it, but clear language and words are really important. And we know this, I think, because when we get it wrong, it's either funny or (laughs) disastrous. Um, So just as an example of this, Dave, how many languages do you speak?
0: Including or not including Pig Latin?
1: Uh, Not including Pig Latin
0: let well, see. I had I had a Korean German teacher. Uh, <laughs> Tell me more about this. when I was
1: in seventh, eighth,
0: and ninth grade. Hare Sim, um, in, yeah, in Grafton, Wisconsin, and uh, and I learned some. German words. And in the mix of it, I learned some Korean words, but mostly I didn't learn anything. And then <laughs> I learned some biblical Greek and some some Hebrew and and, and mostly I, I know how those tools work, but I, I you, know, sure. you don't speak it or anything like yeah.
1: that. So I, I, I would say I have a similar uh, language learning experience in some ways. I studied a lot of, of Spanish uh, in high school um, and have kind of like a really basic working knowledge of the language, but pretty, pretty minimal. But um, I think thinking about the way that Words can be funny if you don't really translate them. So if I said to, to you the word, it's a Spanish word, and it's uh, embarazada. Embarrassada. Yeah. What would you What would you think I was I was meaning? Like if you had to guess. Embarrassada is embarrass, perhaps. Uh, um, so that's what we all thought. Okay. It turns out though that embarrasada means pregnant. Which could be embarrassing, which, which could be all, ki- all kinds of embarrassing
0: situations if you put that in the wrong Yeah. Right.
1: Wow. So just one example of if we don't have the words, it's, uh, you know, it can be just hard to understand what somebody's talking about. You could have a whole different meaning of that sentence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I also think that punctuation is very important as well. So there's the classic example of let's eat grandpa or let's eat grandpa.
1: I'd rather not eat grandpa. Uh,
0: Commas can save lives. <laughs> They're is, very, very important. This is true. And putting the amphosis on the right syllable. Exactly. Might, just might that, that clarity
1: of what we mean. And you know, sometimes words don't make any sense. And we just like say dumb stuff or make stuff up because we don't have the words, right? Mm. I mean, I, I'm just, I can't, uh, there's a, there was a tweet that you may be familiar with. Uh, a tweet not, from who? Well, pretty much the only person whose tweets we talk about. But uh, <laughs> I believe he said something about Kofifi.
0: It's, I believe it's pronounced Kofefa.
1: Oh, well, I, I, this is the difference between the spoken word and the written it's word. Two different regional dialects, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes just weird things happen and we don't really exactly uh, translate what's, what's happening or what someone's trying to say. And we could go, you know, on and on about weird words or the ways that you can twist language to make a joke. And the actually the interesting thing, the jokes work because the words matter. Mm. They mean something. And if we pick the wrong word, the communication process that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it might not go so well. But one of the most interesting things to me about language is how sometimes we don't actually have the words to explain an experience. And sometimes when that happens, other languages can help us out. So um, I don't know if you remember this past winter, huga uh, was the thing. Huga. Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing, nothing on that one. Nothing. No, nothing. Okay. It, it
0: was a thing for some people, but not for me.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I, I didn't really know much about it. All of a sudden it was like February and somebody said, hey, this was a thing all winter long. And I went, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it was apparently really big. Uh, it kind of influenced fads of like design trends and those sorts of things. But "huga" is this Danish word that means kind of something like warmth and coziness. Uh, so like around here in Minnesota, it became really popular when it got really cold and we had to be stuck inside.
0: So it's like a snuggie on a bearskin rug wrapped in a hot chocolate. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think that sounds about right. So if you if you look it up online, you know, you'll find pictures of fireplaces, candles, blankets and um and, and then and then you kinda understand what it's getting at, but in English we actually don't don't really have a word for that experience that kind of actually reminds me of something you were saying about blue russians
0: like kind of white russians and black russians but 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 a blue <laughs> russian what yeah, what is that about
1: yeah so um interestingly in russian uh, so like in in english we've got a word for blue right and it mm-hmm. means like light blue and it means dark blue and it means all the shades of things that are kind of bluish right <laughs> well the interesting thing is that in russian they have a word that is light blue and a word that is dark blue and it's actually as different as for us in English, red would be from green. Wow. Hmm. Um, So it actually shapes the way that they uh, see these colors in some ways. Um, You know, you kind of think about the classic example of, of like the word blue being invented relatively recently. And so like older, uh, older stuff, older writings, you would see something referred to as green or gray, like the ocean. Um, And so it's those kinds of things. They actually change the words that we have in the way that we see something.
0: I wonder how that would, uh, in this case, how the understanding
1: of the language, the words would influence art. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on that. right? Um, but so words like huga describe a feeling and names of colors help describe what we're actually seeing. But those words, the, they all help shape and share our actual experience with others, which actually reminds me of my German class in college. So I said a little earlier, I studied a lot of Spanish in high school. Um, but when I got to college, I had just kind of a heavy course load and I needed a I needed a, a language class, but I needed it to be kind of an easier class. I didn't really have the, the time and energy for a more challenging class. And I, I really like learning new languages, um, but it really was kind of intended to be like the easy part of my semester, a little blow off.
0: Well, you should have come in and had a class with Herr sim. Have, <laughs> Maybe.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so when I was in this class uh, and I was learning uh, new words and phrases, our, our professor also taught us a little bit about German culture and she shared stories with us from her travels. So I don't really remember a whole lot of German from that class, but there was one thing she taught us that really stuck with me. And it's this idea that language is culture. In other words, if you can't understand the words that someone is using to describe something, you can't really understand what they are thinking or feeling. Language is one of the main ways that we can convey meaning, and it can be really challenging to see and understand outside of what we have words for.
0: You know what? And sometimes our words just, they don't work anymore. Our words change to reflect the culture that we're a part of. Case in point,
1: groovy. I don't even know when the last time I heard that was.
0: Everybody's feeling groovy right now. (laughs) Young, hip, baby boomers at one point in time, when they were young and hip, um, (laughs) (laughs) made it skyrocket in usage through the 60s. It hit its peak, uh, according to to Google, I guess, uh, in 1975. But it almost dropped off to nothing about 10 years later. Because apparently, uh, Gen Xers, we, we hated it. You hated everything. Whatever. <laughs> but in recent years, it had a renaissance period right around 2010. And of course, I blame the millennial hipsters. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you would.
0: Mm. But today, but <laughs> today, it isn't used very much at all. Uh, the word cool, always in style. In North America, it's a word that holds across generations, across countless different cultural contexts. If something's cool, it's cool. And I'm sure the usage of this word or symbol will evolve and change just like everything. It'll fall out of usage eventually, but for now it continues to hold.
1: Yeah, words that we use in playful ways, slang and references in pop culture that make their way into our common language, they all change and evolve over time. But so do words that are heavier and maybe more important, words that affect how we see ourselves, interact with the world and gain meaning. Those words change too, and it's important to pay attention. We can cause pain to ourselves and others if we don't choose these words intentionally handle language about our friends and neighbors with care.
0: Yeah, you know what? That that makes me think about the recent gender identity conversations and the use of pronouns. Over the past several years, it has become increasingly clear to a bigger and more mainstream audience that the gender-specific masculine-feminine pronouns of he and she aren't descriptive or helpful in every case. As a result, people have been exploring gender-neutral pronouns in the English language, which may be much more better. I know. Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> which may be much more better uh, to, to, to describe reality, right? And, and to your point, Chris, it could be that this calls for us to consider new language that represents our culture and represents how more and more people are coming to see and interact and experience with the world. As our culture shifts and changes, we may need to find new words or repurpose old ones so we can develop a shared understanding of the world.
1: Yeah. And again, it's, it is really hard. A lot of these changes come slowly. Uh, I consider myself to be someone who tries to be respectful of the experiences of others. And particularly in terms of things like gender identity, I feel like I don't know the best choice. I'm trying, but I don't always know the right word. Um, but we actually just don't speak a language. We also sort of live inside of its framework. So sometimes it can take those new words to help us even see the new paradigm.
0: Yeah, you know, and I would also argue that there are words we don't use or shouldn't use anymore because what was acceptable at one point in time is no longer acceptable. Words have weight and substance and the ability to destroy. For example, was it about a month ago or so, there was a controversy around Bill Maher as a white guy using the N-word. And we routinely hear people in all different kind of walks of life, whether it's in the media or politicians or or just people walking down the street, they're using using words to demean others for their sexuality or their gender identity, nationality, religion, and and the list goes on.
1: Yeah. And and a lot of this gets wrapped up and and labeled as like PC, political correctness. And like, certainly where this idea of PC can become a problem is when we don't say anything. Um, If we don't have important conversations because we're afraid or someone might be offended, I really feel like this could be another episode in itself, but for now, if we can find a more compassionate way to say something, why wouldn't we? And why in some weird situations do we think it's culturally honorable to say whatever's on our mind at the expense of someone else's experiences? I mean, I think somewhere in the middle of being afraid that we're saying something wrong and choosing our words carefully – is where maybe some quality communication can happen.
0: Yeah. We kind of modeled this uh, a bit when we had our live events with Regina Mm -hmm. Mustafa and and Drew Hart, Regina talking about uh, interfaith dialogue with, with Muslims and, and Drew Hart talking about racism. And, and before we had our Q and a sessions uh, at both of those events, I think I said something to the effect of, Hey, we're going to try to have a conversation and we're going to, try to be respectful and we're going to choose words Mm -hmm. and we might actually mess up with the words that we choose. And I just think that if we can extend one another a little bit of grace and care for one another and just have, give each other the benefit of the doubt that we mean this respectfully, I think we can get at something good and, and, and some increased understanding. Over time, our words change. We don't necessarily talk or think the way we did when we were younger. It is a way that we care for our community and ourselves. It reminds me of a, of a Maya Angelou quote when, when she when she said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I love that quote. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better.
1: Yeah. And I think over time, we all know a little better. You know, we're learning, uh, we're gaining knowledge, we're growing. It's, it's all an active thing. It's not static. We don't hit some point where we're done. Um, And and with that, our ideas and our consciousness change over time. And so should the words that we use to express these new understandings and perspectives on life, love, and faith.
0: Yeah. You know, for example, there's this old church hymn called Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) even hard to say Onward Christian Soldiers, but it has a classic tune. It's a bit of an anthem, really. And the church I grew up in We sang it on pretty regular rotation on Sunday mornings. And look, I haven't sung sung that song in years, probably since my childhood. But recently I heard it again. And here's how the words go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. From war imagery to the history of violence in Christian faith. Look, I don't care if I ever sing or hear that song ever again. This is an example of what was once a powerful symbol, a song and its lyrics, which no longer holds the same meaning anymore. For me... I need a better song. I I need more adequate symbols uh, to to express.
1: Yeah, you know, as you're talking about that hymn, I just I can't help but think how music is one of those areas that I get really frustrated by some of the language that we've inherited uh, in religious communities. A lot of our i our, a lot of our lyrics refer to ideas about God that are confusing at best and and probably harmful at worst. And so when I'm leading music for our community, I'm always looking for new songs that are telling our story well. And I often find what I'm looking for in places that are outside of our own religious tradition, so much so that I actually occasionally we'll have to describe what people are hearing and kind of talk them through how what it mm-hmm. is that we're singing, um, which is actually kind of cool because it gives us the opportunity to stretch our imaginations about the way that we grow as a community. But I think all that makes me wonder, how do we decide what language to use to speak about God? What name do we use? Images? Symbols? In some ways, religion is just a language. It's a set of symbols that point at the actual thing, which is why I think it's really important to change those words or at least add to the vocabulary when something doesn't seem to be working or doesn't fit the way we understand our faith. I think it's okay to change and grow with it. I guess the point in my mind is that we don't have to be captive to the language we've been handed. It might be helpful, and it might not, but it's always missing something. And to me, that's an invitation to keep seeing keep describing and keep creating
0: so how many love poems have been written or sonnets about the beauty of nature how many songs have been written to express joy and sorrow and the feeling of being truly alive aren't we done yet of course not there is so much more to discover write sing craft make We have so much more to create as we communicate and share the experience of what life is all about. Words sometimes fall short, but we won't stop trying. The same is true about our relation to the divine, the mystery. We communicate through symbols and art and writing and song. We communicate in so many ways, but way too often our words and symbols fall short. But we keep trying because it is all a work in progress. Maybe the old words and forms of the faith that you've been handed don't work anymore. I dare you to discover new words, ideas, images to convey a relationship with the divine mystery. What words would you choose? What words would you share? Because there is so much more to share and express and learn. Look, we don't get to drop the mic and walk off stage with no more words left to be said. Our words, our communication, our expression, and our lives, it's all a work in progress.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all the things going on in the sandbox, sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com.
0: Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the podcast and join us in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you.
1: And as always, be sure to share this podcast with somebody who might like it. There is always more room in the sandbox.
0: Till next time, we'll see you.
1: Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.